0: Welcome to the Hopeful Economics Podcast, a ministry of the United Church of Canada proudly supported by mission and service and new church ministry of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in the United States and Canada. With an incredible lineup of speakers, you'll dive deep into the relationship between social enterprise and faith. You'll learn about the economic impact of churches and how to pitch your community of faith to form new partnerships. Hopeful Economics is a way of looking at the world of assets in abundance and making them work for everyone. This content originated from the Hopeful Economics Unconference, a virtual event in March of 2021. Mark your calendars for March 3rd and 4th of 2022 to participate in the next Hopeful Economic Unconference. How do we make decisions, guidelines for decolonial, and anti-racist decision-making in community funding. Many financial decisions can affect organizations focused on indigenous, black, and people of color. This workshop will offer some proposed guidelines for making financial decisions that can honor the diverse experiences and stories of BIPOC. It will consider anti-racist and decolonial thinking as a part of the process. Adelaide Holiday is an anti-racist and equity officer for the United Church of Canada. Rev. Murray Pruden is the Executive Minister of Indigenous Ministries for the United Church of Canada.
1: Thank you everybody uh, for, for joining us this this whatever time of day it is for you, morning, afternoon, evening, it's 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 great to be in your presence and to have you with us. Uh, greetings, tanse to all my relations. Um, I just want to do a, a quick land acknowledgement. Uh, the territory that I'm in, I'm in uh, in the west coast in uh, British Columbia and Burnaby, BC, uh, in the unceded territories of uh, the Sable Tooth Nation. Uh, uh, my name is uh, Murray Pruden, Reverend Murray Pruden. I'm, as mentioned, I'm with the United Church of Canada, Executive Minister for Indigenous Ministries and Justice uh, nationally. And I, uh, my background is, I am, I am uh, Nihiao. I'm Cree from uh, from the Treaty Six Territory, originally in Alberta, from the Goodfish Lake Saddle First Nations. And uh, I just bring you greetings and uh, just happy to be here. Uh, we. we I, I guess to, to introduce myself and and, and such uh, i just do some quick greetings and um, I'm very curious myself and, and and I know Adele too is we're really curious about this unconference perspective and and actually the the, the formats and that we need to work with and I'm really uh, looking forward and hopefully that we will have some great engagement in in our topics that we were presenting here today um, I guess you know we kind of gave each other our, ourselves a time a time of five minutes each to kind of introduce ourselves and, and our background i I work with the indigenous church within the united church of canada i represent the that 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 branch of of the church we have approximately 64 communities of faith across canada so i i very uh all and, and and help and support the diverse communities in that way uh with my staff uh you know we have community capacity development coordinators within our 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 our, my unit and uh youth coordinator healing funds coordinator uh you know a men assistance uh justice coordinator Uh, we have the the necessary needs within the indigenous church uh just uh Talking about my branch of, of the United Church too, the Indigenous Church, we have a, a new functioning uh, National Indigenous Council that represents the Indigenous Church alongside uh, National Elders Council as well, uh, and uh, we're we're closely working with them to create the the body of the Indigenous Church. Uh, Change of change of the uh, structure within the United Church itself kind of is changing our format and how we're we're working uh, with with the United Church to create uh, the you know the, the guidance and perspectives of the United, of the Indigenous Church. Um, yeah, it, it's it's it's. I, I think I'll just kind of go through a a quick uh, uh, briefing outline of exactly how what we're uh, working with today. Um, so, uh, our, our topics basically for, for our, our our section of the workshops is is um, anti-racism and, uh, I guess, reconciliation decolonization uh, from the Indigenous perspective and from uh, a racial perspective. Uh, and uh, we're going to do some introductions. Uh, we're going to then, you know, take turns to talk about our, our examples of limitations. And then we're just going to give you a kind of like a five step process uh, uh, and, and then what we want to do is we wanna give you a case study. So then we can break you out into groups and where you guys will engage each other and have that discussion. And then uh, for the last maybe uh, 15, 20 minutes, we'll we'll come back to reporting back to, to the group and then we'll do a quick wrap up. And, you know, I think that's fair for the time that we're given. And uh, I guess the perspective is, is that your, your engagement and your perspective is really important in this. We're just gonna give you, you know, kind of the, the fluid uh, kind of holistic uh, process to this. Um, so right now, uh, just on time here, I will pass it on to Adele for her introductions.
2: That's great. Thank you, Marie, for the welcome. And thanks, Rob, also for the welcome. Um, It's good to be here. My name is Adele Halliday, and I work as the Anti-Racism and Equity Officer for the United Church of Canada. Um, I live in Toronto, which is most recently the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit. um, And I'm really glad to be here with all of you today. Much of my work at the um, national offices focuses on um, thinking about systemic change and um, Working towards a commitment that the United Church most recently made around becoming an anti, a commitment to becoming an anti racist denomination. Um, there's been ongoing work around racial justice that spans decades and, and many other aspects of equity work. Um, and yet we still have a long way to go in trying to think about changing um, the church structures, its processes, um, thinking about engagement, its broader sense. And uh, while this is the work of the whole church, um, staff also have a, a role to play in helping the church to live into um, what it hopes it might be. So I have a role in working with people across the church in helping to live into this most recent commitment, as well as other commitments that have been made over time. Um, And I'm grateful to be um, in ministry in this particular context. Um, I won't go into a much longer kind of introduction of myself, but instead, I wonder if we might uh, uh, will kind of begin with um, what we're hoping to Uh, to talk about, which is the first part is around some limitations as it relates to um, kind of funding and economics. And both um, Murray and I have some examples, uh, community examples, that um, they're not not necessarily specific church examples, but we can apply them to church contexts as well as beyond. So um, these will be two examples that will help kind of set the ground for our case study. The example that I'm going to talk about is one, um, a a recent one from January of this year. And it was a a, a move around funding applications from organizations. Uh, It was from Social Development Canada, which is a branch of um, the national government. And in reaction to this, people were asking the question, who decides who is Black enough when it comes to federal funding? So this particular funding um, coming from, um, as I mentioned, Social Development Canada, um, there was an email that notified applicants that their proposals for funding had not been accepted because they didn't meet the eligibility criteria, and specifically that they were not Black enough, that they did not have enough Black governance or Black uh, leadership engaged. So what they were saying is that... um, For some of the organizations, for example, they noted that the information provided didn't meet the criteria, that the organization needed to be led and governed by people who self-identify as Black. Some of the organizations that were rejected, however, included ones like the Ontario Black History Month Society, um, which is made up of primarily Black leadership. It's primarily Black-led. It's um, Black people who are involved in governance and so on. So, I mean, that was one specific example, but it raised the question around who is making the decisions around who is Black enough? What does it mean to be Black enough? Who, who is engaged in, um, if, if it's to support Black-led organizations that support Black Canadian communities and Black-led organizations are rejected, um, how is the decision process made? Um, Some said, well, it had to be a majority, um, and some say, well, it is a majority, and some are saying not. So it raised a whole question around decision-making processes as it relates to um, um, minoritized people and leadership. So this is a very recent one from um, January of this year. Um, This is when the the controversy kind of emerged um, around questions around funding. So that's just one example that kind of... It begins to lay the foundation around the questions of limitation in funding. Um, I'll go over to Murray to share his examples.
1: My examples, and I, I, I kind of want to slow down here because I kind of feel that, we, <laughs> I feel that I feel the, the nerves setting in. Is like we got an hour, we got an hour. <laughs> uh, I just want to, I want to slow down a little bit and kind of get into the the mindset of uh, storytelling mode, and 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 that's that's part of my my my. Personality is as like as storytelling, and is very uh, very much enriched in my in my culture and my my teachings. Um, I want to take you back to uh, to uh, the discussions uh, uh, with with the ideas of, of uh, economics and funding, in particular, with a story uh, relating to my experience. Uh, where, you know, in the Education field uh, with 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 the actual uh, uh, abilities to to get proper funding for education. Um, you know, when education is very important, and uh, especially within the indigenous communities in Canada in particular, because we, uh, you know, I always feel that we're always uh, a step behind. Uh, the rest of rest of uh, Canada, and when it comes to getting and and uh, and securing proper education for our people, and 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 that become can be be because of uh, systemic reasons, and uh, and and this is this is part of uh, part of the the issues that we we face within the indigenous communities. But with my 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 story, um, my educational experience has been that. You know, I, I you know it's it's a big thing for uh, any community members uh, within my family to to graduate high school and that's always a great accomplishment that's the first step to you know carrying on your 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 time to to make that decision to go into post-secondary college university trades whatever your choice is whatever your your path is, is seen for you but then becomes the obstacle of you know how, how is my education going to be paid for uh, you know there are certain uh criteria and guarantees set up for uh you know for education based on our treaties with the government for our people and so that becomes the very you know uh, circumstantial in, in a sense because when 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 you live on a reserve or a set community uh it, it might be a little easier but for for many indigenous uh people like myself and my family that that didn't or don't live on res- reserve and live, live more in the urbanized settings, uh, it becomes, it becomes very questionable and highly uh, um, not, the options aren't as clear and opportune. So that becomes the the concern is, and, and the thing is too, in Canada, in particular, uh, we have a higher population of indigenous people in urban settings than we do on, on, reservations across Canada so and it's growing Uh, so so that also puts another perspective of of what we face too so uh if you if you're off the reserve you you tendencies uh for for some and I'm not going to say all because I can't speak for all but tendencies for for some and in my case because I didn't live on the reserve I had to I was directed by by my band and also the the government uh through Indian Indian in. Indian Affairs at the time uh, to uh, you know to apply through a, a secondary sponsorship, uh, which which is funded through the federal government. But then there's higher criteria to to meet those standards to apply, and then there's possibilities of a waiting list. So you may have gotten into a post-secondary uh, uh, education uh, school, but because of your funding, you're you know you, you can't attend because you can't afford it, or and sometimes. And sometimes the criteria at the time was also that, well, if you're getting if you're getting sponsorship, then you can't apply for student loans and vice versa. Or if you have student loans, then you can't apply for sponsorship. So it was there was a very degration to the to the to to your levels of achievement and and levels of support. So because of that and, and growing up with that and and the, the the amounts were not were not were not like were not great either. Like it was basic living at cost. Uh, there was criteria as well as like you could not work while you were attending school uh, part time or anything uh, with 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 with, uh, with with the restrictions of receiving funding. And if you did, then you lose your funding. So there was all this criteria that was on top of you that add also additional stress. You know, and that's the thing. As a student, and, and you know, living the student life, it's not. It can't. Be, it's not. It's not glamorous. You're looking for whatever supports, uh, you know, scholarships, bursaries, as well, whatever whatever you can to help pay for education, but also to make just a decent living while you're doing it without without worries or regrets. And that has always been the case for many Indigenous peoples, whether they came from the reserve or off the reserve to To receive funding, it's changed over the years. Yes, that that has happened. Uh, I when I first started with my education back when I was like uh, going post secondary when I was seventeen, it was it was uh, it was much stricter than it is now. I I just finished my masters and uh, and the restrictions have changed a, a little. So I'm a you know allowed to get sponsored, but I'm also allowed to apply for student loans. And guess what? I get I get to choose to have a part-time job or a seasonal job if i choose to so they they've lightened that because you know they've they've slowly realized that you know we we've we've put so many limits on students but the the amounts haven't changed like the how much, they they haven't matched inflation rates every year so so that amount that i received when I first went to school, and this is going to dictate my age now. Back in in the nineties, <laughs> when I first attended uh, post secondary, to now, that amount has not changed. Like maybe uh, a percentage. So so, the monies and aren't there, and it's based on on government supports. So. There's just a, a lot of restrictions still on on, on many people, uh, and I, I do know. I'm, I'm just using an example from the indigenous perspective, but I, you know, it's 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 not it's not a great scenario when we when we when we look at it all together. So I just wanted to give that slight example of uh, some of the. The issues we have, because there comes comes with that, there comes stereotypes that you know. I've I've heard it through my lifetime. You know that oh, you're 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 an Indian, so you know your education's paid for. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to you know you have you you don't you you know you're you're kind of given that spoon to to help you help feed you. So what are you complaining about? Oh, uh, and you know like oh that, and you get your health care paid for. You know it, it's just all these these uh, stereotypical. Uh, ideas that are you know that start coming out from from uh regular society by 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 others that it it's 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 always the the prone to a negative uh you know scenario or connotation so so that is you know just a a taste and and i I, and i just want to 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 state that that's just a taste of some of the the circumstances that that you know uh, that I can re, uh, give in in a, in a very sh- short time on 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 a situation of some systemic and um, um, I guess financial concerns that that do hit many of our post secondary students. And I'll just add to like there was a study done in the uh, late two thousands, uh, probably around two thousand seven, that um, that. A, a Indigenous student that's going for a, a undergrad degree had a higher rate of, of quitting in their third year of studies. And they couldn't figure out why. And they did, they did, they did the studies on that as to why uh, all of a sudden, why are Indigenous students quitting at, in their third, third year? And they found out that there, uh, a good percentage of that had to do for financial reasons. Uh, so so there is, because even with that, uh, mentioning that, like, if, it, you know, sometimes your sponsorship and stuff is actually get, gets cut off and it's, it's not, and, and it, it has to do with, with monies from, from governments and, and, and not being allowed to apply for alternate sponsorship or student loans or ways of, 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 of carrying that forward. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh I, I guess uh, Adele, uh thirty seconds uh uh kind of closing. Do you want to quickly say something?
2: Yes, just um thank you all for your uh engagement this afternoon and for the, the, the involved conversation. And as we noted, this in some ways is kind of a start of a conversation or a continued conversation. It's not gonna end. It's not ending with just these three minutes. So hope that you'll continue to engage the conversation <laughs> over the course of this conference someone says hi say hi
1: thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you Adele. And, and, and on behalf of myself thank you everybody for participating and uh we do we do look forward to uh getting any type of feedback i believe there's evaluations and such that comes with this conference uh please let uh let uh, fill those out for and for our for us because this helps us with our work as well i posted in the chat uh, a link and that's to the united church of canada and that's to the calls to the church uh for uh, uh and, and recognition to uh reconciliation and undrip and such with the indigenous church so if you want to take a look at that it gives you some ideas of the church residential schools and all that just uh varied information about um you know uh, being an indigenous person within uh within a community of faith the united church so thank you once again and it's been a blessing and you all you're all my relations and uh i hope you enjoy the rest of your conference and uh good tidings to you all and um and hope to see you again
0: thanks for listening to the hopeful economics podcast a ministry of the united church of canada proudly supported by mission and service and new church ministry of the christian church disciples of christ in the united states and canada The Hopeful Economics podcast is produced by Resonate Media. In the spirit of the unconference, we'd love to invite you into the conversation. Subscribe, review and comment on our social media channels. A special thank you to those that partnered to make the Hopeful Economics possible. 1001 Worshipping Communities, Alterna, Bi-Social, Faith and Finance, Metcalf Foundation, United Church of Christ, Rooted Good, Toronto Neighborhood Centers, community innovation hub and learn about Resonate Media at ResonateMediaPro.com. Thanks for listening and continue to share the blessings of health and wealth with everyone.